0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and this man here is Mr. Merrick Larwood.
2: Hello, Marek, how are you? Well, oh, please. there goes the sirens! <laughs> there go the sirens! We paid for that to happen because, as all of you millions, or sort of rather hundreds <laughs> of listeners, will realise this, we have reached the landmark three hundredth. Episode.
1: It's the the one all podcasters try to aim for, isn't it, getting to that 300, because then they can reach syndication and uh, the money just rolls in, doesn't
2: it? But this is uh, uh, the level of consistency of us getting about uh, the same amount of listeners. Doesn't matter how low the bar is, we always hit it, don't we? We would like to thank all the people who've listened to the first five minutes and said, well, that's not for me. (laughs) <laughs> and kept
1: us at our core group. Yes, of uh, of uh, film Fandango fans.
2: Uh, Three hundred episodes. How have we managed it? I think the fact that we just come round to your flat and just don't, uh, and put no effort in. I think that
1: is the secret. Do no preparation whatsoever, other than watching a film you probably would have
2: watched anyway. This, in many ways, this podcast is just a way for me to write off uh, my expenses mm. of watching films. <laughs> and And travel <laughs> and justify going to cinema by myself once a week,
1: yeah, yeah, but here we
2: are, three hundredth, and we're plowing on, yeah, I'm very tired. I pulled a muscle in my back, and um the nanny who lives next door with well, the rich people who live next door, we're seeing the wheels on the bus go round and round through the wall practically from six thirty through the wall. At you just straight, she at. makes this note, she shouts at this kid and just does this the whole time from about quarter past six. I mean, that was probably annoying to our listeners. That, that then, yeah, those three of those, yeah, times that by a hundred and do that while you're lying in bed, having pulled a muscle in your back, having not slept. Anyway, I don't want to use this as a forum for moaning, although I regularly do. Uh,
1: <laughs> um, yeah, we're here to talk about films. Um, as per usual, before we start, we should say we're sponsored by Her Film Project, who are an organisation that promote diversity in filmmaking. So if you would like to uh, get in touch with them and see what they're up to, go to herfilmproject.com and follow Her Film Project on Twitter.
2: Do I count as diverse?
1: Uh, to me, you do. I've, but to the world, absolutely not, no. No.
2: Well, now I've hurt my you back a little bit you are a
1: slightly cross white man and that seems to be most of the people in power doesn't it but
2: i've got absolutely no power or, or money
1: well then what are you doing wrong because you've you've got all the opportunities
2: you've well, got I'm all of big, them so i'm diverse <laughs> what what is it yeah but what what is it i'm the least successful white male <laughs> is that yeah, yeah. wow yeah well. Oh, never mind. Well, I went yeah. to the cinema. You went to the cinema. What did you go and see this week? Well, of course I had to see the... Um, the
1: uh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Christopher Nolan's film about
2: battle. I keep on wanting to say Spunkirk. <laughs> <laughs> for no reason. I'm sort of developing some weird Tourette's. Yeah. Oh, I like talking about Bumming Man. Yes, a lot, yeah. And then I've started to say to my girlfriend sometimes, when, when it's time f- for dinner... Do you want some bummer's pie? <laughs> or saying it's bummer's pie for dinner. I can't, I've got to stop saying these words that associate with like, bums and poos and wheeze. Could we
1: have gotten to the root there of your lack of success as a white man?
2: Yeah, obsession with toilet stuff.
1: Maybe, I don't
2: know. I mean, some something people must love have, that. Something must
1: have happened to me when I was young. <laughs> must have done, blocked it out. So what's Don Kirk about for people not in the know?
2: Well, of course, um, everyone, if you don't know what Dunkirk is and you're an idiot, it is the point where the Germans win war and uh, they invaded France and then all the British troops are stuck on... The, this is the historical moment. The British and some French troops and some Belgians as well, I think, were stranded on the beach and they they built a perimeter or something just to protect them. And they had about 24 hours to evacuate Four hundred thousand troops, which was a lot of the British army, the British um, Navy were reluctant to put all their destroyers into there because they realised if they employed them all, they'd be screwed. if mm. they lost their destroyers, yes. so they they put a call out to all people with, but to civilians with boats to go and rescue uh, the troops on the beaches. I mean, an incredible moment in. Yeah, you know, it, it, it really, really odd thinking of all these civilians going out in their boats to save the troops. Yeah, brilliant. Um, there were lots of
1: uh, civilian boats that were converted into warships as well during the yeah. Second World War.
2: I watched the World at War, one of the greatest documentaries ever. Yes. You've seen it? Uh, yes, I have. yeah. But I think I, I stopped. I got. I think I got a job or something, so I stopped. I didn't. I stopped around nineteen forty something. What was this? Nineteen forty Nineteen forty one Dunkirk was it? I can't remember that exact day. Oh, 1940. Oh, maybe I should. Maybe I did watch that bit. Um, yes, it's May June 1940. Anyway, so Christopher Nolan's film follows when the story follows three stories. So it's the story of a, a sort of young soldier as he's fleeing. And he arrives on the beaches, and he's just a real sort of uh, a bog standard soldier trying to get uh, trying to get on the ships that arrive. It follows uh, Mark Rylance and uh, his son and friend who uh, own a fishing boat and they take that out to help the troops. And Tom Hardy, who is an RAF pilot. Uh, Excellent. Uh, I mean, it, Is that the most British thing? It probably, it's really weird how Tom Hardy seems to be employed for Bane-like jobs where he's got something over his over face. His face. It's is odd, just, isn't it? Where he's not. He's just doing eye acting and peeking in a posh sort of voice. <sighs> he doesn't have his own accent, have you noticed that? I, I particularly love the.
1: Because uh, he is a posh public school boy, as far as I'm aware. But he's in those adverts for broadband at the moment where he's uh, a waiter is stealing his sugars. Have you seen that one? Yes. And he's going, uh, an episode of Game of Thrones, right there. He said, You're not Welsh, what are you doing? <laughs> he, he sounds like Richard Burton, and it's clearly you know just what's happened.
2: But he has got you know I say I always bang on about Ryan Gosling having charisma. Tom Hardy oh, has got hugely. superstar. Yeah, yeah, really does. You just need to put him on the screen, and he's brilliant. Yeah, he's brilliant. Um, so this is, I mean, everyone has raved about this film. I mean, you've probably seen it. it's got eight point five on IMDb, which of gone down a bit. Ninety-four Metascore, which is an amalgamation of all the scores. Yeah. yeah. It technically it is a brilliant film I just thought I mean I should have really seen it on the 35mm that it was you know it was yeah, supposed yeah. to be shot on because I think it would be astounding visually and it is astounding visually and Christopher Nolan is uh, a brilliant filmmaker how long is it it is about two uh, uh, I'm trying to see on here now should be near the top of the page yeah, I'm trying to read it but some one hour 46 minutes Okay, There's so not, wow, Nolan's managed to keep his film down. Yeah, That's good. So it what's odd is I think I was watching this film. But I know this film's good, and this is a strange thing I think is true of Christopher Nolan films. Mm. And I read an article in the got uh, something in the Guardian. I, oh, I hate the newspaper about about someone saying it, it left them cold. And I think this is a great film, but it, and you really feel you're having <coughs> experiencing a sort of total experience of. Um, done Kirk from three different sides. Yes. And there are You know, it, 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 it tells the stories. There aren't sort of any real flaws in it. But I wasn't emotionally tied to any of the characters at all. Because it sort of just plunges you straight into it. Yeah. You don't really know any of their history. And I, although it's... And I watched an interview with Kristen Nolan, which he did for Film 4. And there was... Fascinating watching him talk about it. Yeah, because it's a bit like watching someone who's really, really good at maths at school talking about computers or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Where so he's a technician. He's he's a yeah. He's a George Lucas type, really. I think so
2: where he just the same thing with all of his films. They're structurally. Sound. I'm. I know. don't know if I'd agree with that. Well, statement. Memento maybe. Memento
1: maybe. is a beautiful piece of mathematics. Yeah. As, as a in, screenplay, and, and is, is incredible. Inception is mathematics as well. I think Inception isn't as good at all. Like I think it's visually absolutely stunning, mm. and it's a wonderfully fun idea, but. They spe- the script is dog shit. Like, they spend so long explaining themselves rather than getting on with it and the characters aren't very good. Wait, like, differentiating the thing, it? between the characters is like, you know, it, it's, it's not that strong. The Dark Knight, for all people think it's one of the greatest films ever made, is really overly long and structurally bloated. There's so many bits they don't need and it it, so it stalls in the middle and really rushes its ending like it's there's a whole new strand with Two-Face brought in in the last 20 minutes that they they do an entire 90 minute film in the last 15 basically mm. and that's bad writing um, I think he's a bit hit and miss but when he hits
2: it's incredible um, well, I, I think it's and it's, it's fascinating I would recommend you listening to this interview watching his interview on, on Film 4 with him saying you know of, of course it's a Someone said you're gonna, we're gonna make you gonna make a film about Don, Dunkirk. So yeah. it's one of the hugely, uh, a hugely historical import, important moments. Um, and so you've got that burden already. And he was talking about having all this money on spent on warships, and the temptation is to shoot loads on it. But he realised that uh, one brilliant bit he said was the audience is used to this uh, wealth of riches, visual riches. They don't see, they're not there in real life. They don't see the massive ship and go. Yeah, yeah. They're used to seeing spectacle and being bored by it. Yeah, right? so because, because yeah.
1: computers can give you anything these days. Yeah, it, you've got to connect with the eyeballs of the characters, as it, you know, the human beings. Or, or we are just bored. Yeah, like it doesn't
2: matter but how I wasn't, many. I wasn't bored. I just didn't. I, I just didn't feel emotional attachment to any of the characters. I mean, they just maybe it's just too brief. Maybe just go with one story. Hmm. And they were strangely cold. I mean, mean, Tom Hardy can be quite cold and aloof. That's his thing, which is good. Mark Rylance, I've never got on the Mark Rylance bandwagon. Have you seen seen him live?
1: No, everyone said he was... Well, that's it. I mean, I've not seen many of his films, actually. I saw the BFG and I thought he was excellent. Um, But I've seen him live at the Globe and I saw him in Jerusalem as well. And on stage, he is absolutely... Preposterously good, but big as well. That's what I oh, really don't quite does, understand about nothing. his film. No, exactly. He, he's tiny in film performances, isn't he? But he is
2: huge on stage. Well, I saw him in Bridges Spies, which I thought was bullshit, right? And uh, I started watching Warfall, which I thought I was quite bored by. But I'm not really, uh, I, he just sort of plays it very small. They're quite, and, and the guy, uh, the young guy, he plays a soldier uh, uh, alongside what's his name the bloke from uh, One Direction's in it as well Harry Styles Harry Styles is in it yeah (laughs) one of the young soldiers he's alright they're just quite you don't really get to know the characters and there's no real warmth to them right and I really feel that that's in a lot of his films even Interstellar, I think Matthew McConaughey is quite a warm actor, so he added yes. a lot to it. It's In a his... very
1: cold story. Yeah, it's always cold. works because of its subject matter, suiting sort of the strange alien isolation of it. But I, I agree, it, I think its flaw is that Matthew McConaughey is doing so much heavy lifting to make you like yeah. it. Um I, I quite enjoyed Interstellar. I don't know if I'd watch it twice. Yeah,
2: I think, I think the same thing with Dunkirk. I mean, I was thinking about this, thinking, what are the great films? And then there's quite a bit of the films that you would watch, you know, when they come on TV and you watch them. I mean, everyone. it's the most hack thing to say, but The Shawshank Redemption is an abs- still, yes. you know, in my top 10 Great set of films film because anytime that's on I'm just sucked into it yeah at any point and strange another one is about a boy with Hugh Grant in it really I absolutely <laughs> love it it's brilliant <laughs> I've, I've only been, seen it once I the saw more it. I watch it the more I really love that film
1: right. um, we've the, not mentioned the two most sort of poppy uh, if you like uh, of Nolan's films I would say which are Batman Begins and The Prestige and I, think I the really enjoy yeah, I agree, but they are more sort of light and fluffy. Yeah. Like, and but I enjoy the fact there's a bit. They're a bit more fun,
2: you know, rather than so deadly serious. Well, all I think the there time. was no real fun in this. I mean, uh, Kenneth Branner sort of playing this admiral who's just looking into distance trying to make himself cry every now and then yeah. doing it I, I I sort of want to punch Kenneth Branagh in the face most times <laughs> I think.
1: does he have an enormously elaborate moustache in this no because he often chooses to In I just them.
2: imagine him just out uh, it's just a head and shoulders shot and beneath the head and shoulders he's just wanking himself off <laughs> trying to celebrate his own acting <laughs> as he's doing everything
1: have you seen um oh, what's it called that film he made after uh, they first became successful. I think it's... Is it after Peter's Friends? Um, oh, God. Dead Again, is it called? Yeah, I saw it a long time ago. Oh, my God. If you want a good laugh, it is phenomenally funny. And not for reasons they, they, they intended oh, really? to be. Hugely so. Um, and people
2: still celebrate it as a good film. It is a stupid film. I just automatically think he's at End because... Anyone who casts themselves as Hamlet and Iago in the thirty basically like all the best parts, he definitely will try and make a film with himself in. I mean, he's probably a nice bloke. Probably I, is. I doubt, I doubt I'll ever be... I mean, I'll probably get a break somewhere and we will listen to this and I'll get cut and I'll be at the end of my... <laughs> literally the final nail in the coffin of my career.
1: Maybe this podcast is the reason uh, we don't get much work. Yeah, we'll Everyone, get everyone in the in. industry listens to him and just goes, well, fuck those guys.
2: So anyway, cut back to the... <laughs> yeah. I'm sort of marking it out of ten on a Christopher Nolan scale Okay. so you know when you go to say so you go to the Edinburgh Festival which we do is comics and, and you go and see a good comic and you give them a three stars and you go and see a, a, a sh- sort of shitter comic and they get three stars but sort of, there's no way they're on the same level yeah, with those yeah, yeah. shows but your you expectation it, sort yeah. of dictates so the I'm, scale I'm giving it seven Mareks. it's really good you should definitely go and watch it but I just after that, I don't really feel anything f- f- for, uh, for... It didn't really move me. Mm. There's no chemistry. I've talked about the whole... The, the African Queen with Humphrey Bogart and... Yes. um. Oh, what am I being My brain is totally... Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. And that just being two people in a boat, just literally fueled by charisma. There's more charisma in one minute of that film than there is in this film. There are bits... My favourite story is probably the Tom Hardy story with the pilot one is the most interesting one. Right. There's some great moments. Is it like Locke in a Spitfire? Yeah, and I liked him and the other actor with it, and then just, just just do that story, you know, mm. and just do the before and after. That would be a more interesting film. Yeah, yeah. But it's that thing is just... You're almost saddled with... And he talked about that in the interview, with a, when you're telling the story of Dunkirk. You can't make out like it was one person's story. Yeah, how are you this yeah. 400,000 plus or half a million stories yeah. and you almost need to do a sort of, you know, Love actually land land yeah, <laughs> land sea and air. Uh, right, uh, yeah, story yeah, yeah. to yeah. cover it. Which he which is difficult is when you when you have to compromise yourself to make a sort of general thing, it always ruin it always weakens it. But I'm um, fascinated to hear. I think we've probably got some emails about uh, Dunkirk as well. All right. Well, let's see if we do.
1: Uh, that's Dunkirk, 7 Marricks. Um, I think it's time for this. Um, some bed to bed to reading them out. Here's an email from Stuart Baxter. Stuart says, hi guys and buddy and asshole dog next door. Here you are... Sh- here you are short on letters, so here is an email. What is your favourite Christopher Nolan movies? Top three or top five? Up to you and depends on how long you have on the show. For me, it's Memento, Dunkirk and Dark Knight. Keep watching the films. This would fit in nicely if you, you review Dunkirk this week. Stuart Baxter, third time writer. <laughs> uh, thank you, Stuart. Uh, favourite favorite Christopher Nolan films? Uh, Memento... Prestige and I'd have to say probably Batman Begins. I prefer it to Dark Knight.
2: I would say Mento Prestige and Inception.
1: Okay. In- Inception is beautifully stylish. I will give it that. Like it yeah. is it really is and any film that is iconic enough that it is then copied. Um, by everyone and that then becomes part of the cinematic language of storytelling is an incredible achievement and the Zimmer, uh, so he needed in as well but yes. the, the inception soundtrack is incredible I yeah think. yeah it is with those brrrr, yeah. that, that now everybody does um yeah no those will have to be mine who else has written another them?
2: quick dunkirk one before we go on to a 300 episode uh, uh it's from caleb um dunkirk not a film to enjoy but what was the point of tom hardy great eye acting but that that could have been anybody <laughs> also spoiler why is oh, I, I won't say that spoiler because it's uh, spoiler at the end of it um, it's, it's a still a recent movie also who is the biggest twat in Hollywood the film industry worst attitude no difficult and a great and generally shy but still have a career thank you for the last 300 episodes of which I've listened to everyone congratulations excellent podcast long may it last P.S. tell the fuck dog next door to piss off from me
1: I have done there he is
2: on cue Absolutely incredible. There he He heard you talking, Caleb. Um, <laughs> the timing's been great today. It's been excellent. We've got the sirens, we've got everything. <laughs> the dog. Um, um, who's shit in Hollywood? I don't really know who's got Ballastude in Hollywood. I, mean, I don't think you well, survive.
1: I, no, I, I shouldn't really say. I mean, back when we did this podcast on Absolute Radio to uh, thematically join in with the 300 episode thing. Um, I did used to go to Junkets and interview, you know, A list celebrities about films, and then I got bored of it, so I didn't bother going anymore. But uh, there were. There was one who was a total asshole, uh, but I, I couldn't possibly say. It's, I can tell you in private. Oh, but great. I'm afraid I'm simply not going to. I'm not telling you.
2: That. <laughs> I'm trying to get into to mime.
1: <laughs> but yeah, everyone else was actually absolutely lovely, to be honest.
2: I tell you what, though.
1: All right.
2: What would you? Who would you like to hear from the most? Who would I like to hear from? Yeah, in terms of letters. Uh, well, Chris Webb. Bingo Bango. <laughs> oh, hey Bingo Bango.
1: Uh, dear Merrick, David, Buddy, Danielle, if you're there, and any special guests, if you have any today. Bad luck. Truth is, I don't actually have any interesting topics to discuss, but I couldn't miss a chance to wish you a very happy three hundredth episode. As you know, I've been with you from the start. That's the 7th of October 2011 and haven't missed a single episode since. Because I live in the future, I get to hear new episodes on a Friday evening and it's always uh, the perfect end to a shit week at work. Once I put the kids to bed, there's nothing I look forward to more than listen to David's analysis of the latest release and Marek talking about bumming. I sincerely hope that you continue well beyond the point where you can't be asked anymore. It was also a great honour to be elected Top Fandango Stalker, a title I've treated with gravitas it deserves. However, like Glastonbury, I think I'll take a year off and declare myself out of the running the next time you do a superfan election. What? It's costing me a small fortune in DVDs, crap suites and postage to the UK, so I'm happy to hand over my sash to a fellow fandangler, at least temporarily. I'd gladly lend my support to the likes of Short Film Sunday and Coletta or Fran Jolly. They're just as dedicated as me and at least they answer my fucking Facebook friend request. <laughs> That's a reference to... Uh, Martin Apple Martin Appleyard. Apple <laughs> I guess I'd better think of a question. And there, are there any books about films you'd recommend? Other than the obvious ones we should all uh, read by now, such as Easy Ridi- Easy Riders Raging Bulls. A while ago I read Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, the inside story of handmade films by Robert Sellers. If you haven't read it, it's a very interesting insight into George Harrison's production company that gave us The Life of Brian, The Long Good Friday, Time Bandits, With Nail and I, etc., as well as Absolute Duffers, like Shanghai Surprise, Bullshot and Water. It's great to read about some of the successes but also frustrating how the company eventually folded due to fraud and bad financial management that does sound like a good book actually Mm. and if that's not enough it's wonderful to read about what Richard Uncle Monty Griffiths thought of Sean Penn while working with him on Shanghai Surprise. Any good books you'd like to recommend? Lots of love to you all and thanks for keeping watching approximately 600 films so far Thank you Chris Webb um, any books on films you've read well I'm ashamed to say I only read fiction oh, I kind of do as well it's all I do I, I f- read historical oh, do uh, books sometimes well for research mostly for my plays but um, no I do mostly read fiction
2: my main pleasure is playing Vilspool of which I have to say my team are now world champions
1: you are well done
2: um, watching films and reading fiction so I, d- I can't really ever get into that whole biography thing it does that
1: handmade films does sound fascinating though because it was a fascinating uh, origin for a production company as well. Do you know the story? No. Uh, was it just um,
2: George Harrison had loads of money, so he just
1: not really. Oh, okay. Um, uh, the, the brief version of it is how they came about is the Pythons were making Life of Brian and they're out in Tunisia filming it when EMI, who were financing it. Actually, read the script. They just thrown. Oh, I've heard that they pulled out, and they and pulled to, yeah, out yeah. because of its potentially contentious subject matter. So they had to shut up production. And uh, I think it was Eric Idle went over to the states to try and drum up support. And whilst out out there was chatting to his mate George Harrison about his woes, and George Harrison, who'd been, you know, he he was in the Beatles, so he's doing all right, but yeah. Had been kind of shafted by management for money, and wasn't one of the the. Main two songwriters, who so didn't get all the royalty checks. Um, like a proper dude, took out a second mortgage on his house to pay for Life of Brian. Great. And so he's got a cameo in it as well. He's one of the what have the Romans ever done for us people in the crowd.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. The more I hear about George Harrison, the more I love him. He's he a good, brilliant man. Good bloke. Um, anyway, uh, here's another one. Okay. There's a few 300 letters today. This is from Paul Neves
1: and Paul says Dear David Marrick buddy Chris Webb and another listener Stuart Danger Garbutt. With your 300th episode approaching could you suggest a film to review next week that listeners, listeners oh. can watch and send you their reviews too They could also submit their favourite parts from the previous 298 episodes Maybe listeners could send you audio files of their own film reviews Would save you some film watching slash reviewing Hello to Jason Isaacs and keep watching the films
2: well we should have read that ages ago the problem is is that we're going away from some holidays so we're going to do a bulk record today so we can't tell you
1: no we can't tell you we are we are pre-recording for to cover our holidays but that's a
2: good idea at some point
1: we might take you up on doing that it is um,
2: yes so you'll have to wait a month before we can do that I'm afraid uh, another quick there's a few different um, pre ones I have, to, I have to read them today Sure. This is from Fran Jolly. Happy Friends episode. Happy birthday. I did send in a letter regarding Friends episode, but maybe it got lost on the super internet highway. Again, apologies. After you requested for us to submit their film treatments, I chose not to use any of my pre-existing ideas and thought of a brand new one for you. Yeah, this is based on, I think it was last week. Well, I talked about you sending in your film ideas. Yeah, send in your film ideas
1: and we'll pick the favourite one.
2: And here's his idea. Lizard Island is set on the Isle of Wight during the 1990s. Our protagonist is an unhinged ex falklands veteran who discovers a pair of 3D glasses that allow him to see the lizard people who exist among us. This is good, wedding. <laughs> he takes it upon himself to wipe them out on a one-man crusade of justice. Unfortunately, this is entirely in his head and endlessly, an endless reading of a conspiracy theories and watching They Live, along with his meds, have taken him over the edge. The entire film was made through the eyes of play, the playing playing the hero only to cut occasionally with local police citizens having to deal with it, that halloween reality of murders. Thank you for the last three episodes. It's been one hell of a journey. Keep watching the films, Francis. It's a reference to David Icke, who is a famous yes. Isle of Wight resident who believes in giant ex-Coventry goalkeeper. He, he believes, believes in the,
1: the royal family of lizards.
2: Yeah. Yeah. A couple more 300 emails. This one's from um, fellow football player, Rob Marlon. I should add as well, everyone's starting off all our fans are starting their own bloody podcasts
1: yes well Chris Webb started his own film podcast yeah uh, about whether whether old films still stand up what's it called
2: Um let me I should find out still not, good or something is it still got, good still at it is it still still, it still, still got it is with Chris Webb <laughs> Chris Webb still going still got I'm going to look it up now I can't not plug Chris Webb's podcast probably no uh, Still Any Good
1: Still Any Good
2: You can follow him on Twitter at Still Any Good Rob Marland also has his own voiceball p- podcast which is about films he watches with his mum um, well he doesn't, his mum goes to watch films anyway here's his letter
1: Congratulations on 300 episodes or of whatever this is Here is my mo- movie idea I came w- up with it in a fever dream 7 years ago so you know it's going to be good Matthew McConaughey for- for he- <laughs> I had to spell Matthew McConaughey's name in a pub quiz the other night um, as well and it's very hard Yeah, um, is a 35 year old man don't worry about how old he really is his playing age is always 35 <laughs> but despite being a fully grown man Matthew McConaughey has refused to become independent from his parents you could say he has failed to launch hang on a second so far this might sound familiar but no here's the twist Matthew McEnchinsinkente is still a fetus. To be clear, he is a 35-year-old man, but he has never left his mum's uterus. After refusing to be born, he has demanded that his mum stuff a sofa bed and Xbox and all manner of mod cons up her chuff, and he now lives in a sort of biological TARDIS. It doesn't travel in time, it just looks really big from the inside. Sarah Jessica Parker, also 35, don't argue, is the woman whose job it is to persuade Matthew McConaughey to be born a series of awkward dates which involve a lot of shouting through Matthew McConaughey's mum's belly. There's probably a humorous scene where Rob Schneider is asked to feel the baby kick and gets his teeth smacked out. I'm not sure how it should end. Either Matthew McConaughey is born or Sarah Jessica Parker decides to join him in the uterus. I prefer the second option because then we can have a really progressive scene where they f- they disagree about redecorating. It's called Fetus to Launch or maybe Failure to Birth.
2: Whatever you prefer. Toodlepip
1: Rob Marland. Good
2: idea. You like that? Got one set as well, pretty much two sets, just inside and outside. Yeah, a bit like Saw. Yeah. Yeah. B- B- but less.
1: B- well, either more graphic or less graphic, depending on right, how it goes, you're right, really. Actually.
2: Well, here's one more final 300 episode letter. No, it's not, because I've already read it one. That'll do. That'll do.
1: Thank you for your letters on our 300th birthday. Um, Well, not birthday. You know, what is it? Just 300 anniversary Slog. Slog. Uh, yes, uh, very kind. Keep them coming in. If you'd like to write to us, go to filmfandango.com. Um, I've seen a film as well, maric Oh, please tell me about it. It's a film that passed me by at the cinemas, as it seemed to pass a lot of people by. I think it was an enormous financial failure in the West. Um, but maybe it picked up its money in China. I don't know. Uh, this is Scarlett Johansson in the live action remake of Ghost in the Shell which has just become available on streaming services it's
2: a, it's a comic and I remember seeing a trailer for one of those weird trailers where the director and the star talk about making the film yes. you've seen that it was a oh, well,
1: it usually says they're doing very badly so they have to sort of connect with their audience a bit better um, it's based on an anime I don't know if it was a comic first um, that I've talked about on the show before actually uh, which is, uh, it's brilliant. It's seminal in terms of the Matrix. Basically, stole its entire look off Ghost in the Shell and a lot of its concepts as well.
2: Oh, it's quite old comic or animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it's nineties. So I think I might be uh, lying there. Um, let me just look that up. Uh, one second. Ninety-five, and uh, the Matrix was ninety-nine. So, but it even starts with the uh, with the. Uh, green text like rain in Ghost in the Shell. That oh, really? is how the Matrix starts as well. Yes, but basically this is a future dystopia that is basically Blade Runner. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> that uh, where people are getting augmented with uh, cybernetic implants and all sorts what would of you things. Um, oh, what would I get? Hmm, big jumping legs yeah big jumping legs would be good so I could just jump to my location
2: that would be very good
1: yeah I once had a dream where uh, I could super jump and it was a very short dream where I jumped really high and then realised I didn't have the ability to super land so from the oh, apex no. onwards I was just falling terrifying and then I woke up
2: do you have a dream you can um, sort of what's the uh, i elevate yourself uh, to uh, levitate a hobby, levitate yeah yeah Uh, I had quite a lot of levitation dreams. It'd be quite good to levitate. I was able to do it just really rubbish about four foot five foot.
1: Yeah, I have had dreams where if I'm running fast enough, I can just pick my feet
2: up almost, and I keep going like um. You know those uh, dreams you have where the remnants of the dreams fade into reality. I hate apologies. I hate people talking about dreams, but (laughs) the levitation thing was I genuinely was convinced for about half an yeah, hour after that, that it. if I concentrated if I got in the right frame of mind I could just probably get about
1: yeah ground. I've had that feeling as well
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, Ghost in the Shell Scarlett Johansson plays uh, Major who is a agent who is who basically her, her brain has been put into an entirely artificial body and she is the first of her kind and she's like a super stealthy assassin working for an organisation and people are uh, ...murdering members of the Hanko... ...Hanker? Hanker uh, Corporation.
2: Why would they put, bother putting a brain in the body... ...and not just use a robot brain?
1: Uh, well, the, this is apparently that the human brain is so sophisticated... It, it's uh, uh, ...and it's able to feel. The ghost in the shell is... ...in the original oh, is f- referring to the soul as it's the ghost that is in the machine. Um, But in this film, it is explicitly stated three or four times within the first ten minutes of what ghost in the shell means exactly. So subtext has left the building, I'm afraid.
2: Why is it... I remember saying... I feel sorry for the person who did all the artwork. Obviously, you worked their arse off. The
1: art is beautiful. It's absolutely brilliantly done. Um, It's also got a couple of uh, slightly obscure actors that you... Some people will be very pleased to see. Um, The guy who plays Euron Greyjoy at the moment in Game of Thrones is in it. Uh, As is um, one of the cast of Dawson's Creek. Uh, Michael Pitt, who you'll probably recognise, he does quite interesting films. He's in Hedwig as well as other things. Oh yes, I know him. Um, But also... uh, uh, Beat Takashi Katano is in it, uh, who is from Takashi's castle, amongst other things. Oh, wow. But he's excellent. He's he's bloody good. Juliette um, Binoche is in it. Yeah, Juliet Binoche is in it as well. It's odd, odd sort of hodgepodge of a cast, to be honest. What is, very so- few people have English as their first language in this, which gives it a very sort of... Uh, uh, this, uh, unconnected emotionally sort of feel to oh, it
2: really difficult
1: yeah well exactly Scarlett Hansen's, you know it's okay full disclosure this is a shit remake it's a shit live action remake of a good cartoon
2: why is it so bad script pure
1: and simple the artwork is beautiful they've, they've assembled a good cast um, it lacks any subtlety or or subtext or anything the script is like it's been written it's like fan fiction by the least talented fan you could get it's just why is it so it can
2: can be translated globally do you think
1: well this is my fear i've talked about it on the podcast before but when you've got such a uh such a renowned intellectual property from a non-english speaking country Mm. there is the fear that they don't want anything to get lost in translation and so the script is super functional and people just say what they are feeling or say what they are doing and then there's nothing beneath the surface. Mm. And for a thing that's supposed to be about the the subtleties of what is the soul, that's quite difficult to achieve when every character is incredibly robotic. Um, It fails, this film, sadly. It's got some decent action bits as i say visually it's very good but it is boring
2: not even worth watching on on
1: streaming well it's currently you have to buy it it's not available to rent yet so it's certainly not worth owning um no it's not even worth renting it's not worth three pound 49 i'll go that far bin it it is sadly uh, a complete turkey Why do a shit on it yeah maybe Maybe. I mean, Scarlett Johansson does seem to enjoy doing sci-fi, which is quite good, isn't it?
2: I Um, really love Scarlett Johansson Yeah, she's very
1: likeable. Uh, She's playing... um, If you want to see her playing a slightly uh, robotic performance, intentionally so, uh, trying to struggle with her own identity, which is exactly what this is, see Under the Skin as it is a far superior film.
2: My name is Scarlett Johansson, or is it... (laughs) You could do uh, motion capture to like play her. That's under skin's really all, uh, mental. I though.
1: think it's brilliant. I quite Lucy was all right. Lucy's quite fun. It goes very silly at the end. That's Luke Besson's one. But, but um, she
2: doing. They're also quite similar. Um, similar sort of film. Her playing Smalian.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And even she does the voice in uh, her as well. Yes. The way that she's sort of seen as the robotic actress.
1: Well, I think uh, she's, because of her stint in the Marvel movies, she can do all of the. She's both a huge star for her slightly quirky beauty, and she can do all of her own stunts, because she's got so much
2: experience doing it now, you know. You don't get old people playing robots, though, so do you, normally? It's a problem. Well, because robots right. don't age. Yeah, so. that's a bad Although Bishop in Aliens, he, he had a craggy face. He yeah, probably wasn't great. that old. But and also the fir- uh, Ian Holm in the first yeah, and that's true. in that Alien. So you're talking rubbish, okay? Right? Oh, never, so that's some more bullshit that came out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's about it, then, do you reckon? Yeah, I wouldn't how bother going to see Ghost 3. Holy
1: shit. Yeah, it's not strong. It's just boring, you know. Scripts need to be better than that. And and especially when it's a remake, you need to do something especially good to make it your own. And all they've done is remove the subtext. That's it. But and your bloody eyes and, and made it actually a story that is more like a thousand things you've seen before than the the more interesting slightly obscure story that the original had that would be a good name for a film
2: a thousand things
1: you've seen before
2: yeah that would be good so it's just a huge list of cliches end to end of the film I bet it will be exactly the same as one of the Spider-Man remakes
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's it for this week um Thank you for all your letters um, for our 300th episode. We'll be back next week with number 301. Um, If you'd like to get in touch, as I said, go to filmfandango.com and you can get in touch with us from the contact page there. And also we do all of this for free. So if you'd like to donate towards our running costs for the last 300 episodes, um, then again, filmfandango.com and click the donate button. Everyone who has, thank you very much. Uh, We will see you next week. In the meantime...